progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, hour number two is underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. We got out a little bit late, so we're going to forego the Reagan Open to the top of hour number two on this Wednesday, the fifth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks again to uh, Tom Renz, who joined me uh, last half hour. Also got a nice call there from Mario and Achenzi. Looking forward uh, to uh, uh, the event coming up on May 20th. I've already had people texting me and saying, Bob, what was that number again? Bob, Bob, what was that phone number again to get tickets? Um May 20th, Presidential Gala in Chesterland at Guido's Generations Event Center. It's going to be great. Uh, call Mario at 216-520-1977 to get your tickets. Or it's a little harder to remember a website like this, especially if you can't write it down right now. But it's Geauga CCC, which stands for County Conservative Club. So square. that's the word square, S-Q-U-A-R-E dot site, S-I-T-E. So maybe easier just to remember that phone number, 216-520-1977. Okay, <clears throat> got a few things I want to do here at the top of this hour. The first of which is to talk about when the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict came in, and even before the Derek Chauvin verdict came in, uh, before the, the trial of the police officer charged with the death of George Floyd uh, really even started, I said there is, I have no love or sympathy, really, for Derek Chauvin. I think he's a bad cop. I think Derek Chauvin is a bad cop. I thought he was cavalier and dismissive of the concerns of the guy beneath his knee. I think he was uh, uh, probably guilty of criminal stupidity and possibly criminal negligence in that he did not try to tend to the health needs of the person that he was arresting and waiting for the ambulance to get there. Um, it was criminal in terms of that level of it. And I think he's a bad cop. I think he looked looked terrible and made all cops look terrible. I don't think he caused the death of the man, though. I think the medical examiner's report about triple the amount of fentanyl it takes to kill a normal person was in his system, not to mention the meth that, that joined that fentanyl in a deadly cocktail, along with his own cardiac issues and hypertension. Uh, all of those things led to his death. It wasn't somebody kneeling on him that, that killed him. Having said that, I have no sympathy for him. And he's going to prison, so be it. But what I do have sympathy for is the system. I said before it, during it, and after it, there was no way Derek Chauvin could get a fair trial. Not in Minneapolis, and probably not anywhere else, but certainly not in Minneapolis. Not when the state of Minnesota gave the family of George Floyd a $20-plus million settlement over their civil lawsuit as jury selection was taking place. You talk about tampering with a jury, the jury just found out that the state of Minnesota thinks he's guilty. If the state of Minnesota didn't think he was guilty, they wouldn't have given him $27 million to the family. Of course he's guilty. There's no way those jurors were going to be impartial. But all we had at the time to say that was common sense. To say There's no way they're going to find 12 impartial people in that jury, especially with threats to commit more violence, hundreds of millions of dollars of violence and dozens and dozens dozens of businesses closed forever because of the destruction and the looting. There's just no way it would be a fair trial. But it was, again, most of that was just common sense. Now we have more than common sense. Now we have evidence that it wasn't a fair trial. Now we have evidence that it wasn't a fair and impartial jury. One of the jurors um, who said that he had no knowledge of the case whatsoever 
No, no, I, I just, you know, I mean, I hear some things about, yes, yeah, something happened, but no, I don't know anything about it, like all of the jurors were asked. Uh, so, sure, I can be impartial. His name is Brandon Mitchell. Come to find out that Brandon Mitchell lied about his uh, feelings and about his knowledge, because Brandon Mitchell has now been found to have been, there's a photograph of him in an August 28th event, uh, commemorating Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C., while wearing a get-your-knee-off-our-neck George Floyd T-shirt. So clearly, and this event, by the way, wasn't just an opportunity to you know honor Martin Luther King, which, by the way, goes without saying now, we've talked about it, we've already said it, I guess, Martin Luther King's dream is dead, thanks to Black Lives Matter. But nonetheless, the event featured speakers, from the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Eric Garner. So it was a big Black Lives Matter anti-police brutality rally. And one of the guys who ended up on the jury of Derek Chauvin was in attendance, wearing the T-shirt. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Yet when he was asked, along with every other prospective juror, Did you or someone close to you participate in any of the demonstrations or marches against police brutality that took place in Minneapolis after George Floyd's death? He said no. Second question, other than what you have already described above, have you or anyone close to you participated in protests about police use of force or police brutality? He said no. So this is this is grounds for for a new trial. This is grounds for an overturning of the verdict on the basis of a non uh, or a partial jury rather than an impartial jury, and we could possibly have to go through this entire thing again. My suggestion, and not that I'm new at this, or you know, not that this is the first time anybody ever suggested, but if they're going to retry this guy, they better doggone well get it out of Minneapolis, and hopefully even out of Minnesota. And I know they can't do that because it's a state crime, but. They need a change of venue, and they do need to try to find people who don't watch TV and did not uh, participate in Black Lives Matter anti-police brutality riots before they end up on the jury. So that's one of today's top stories I wanted to get to before we do anything else. And here's the other. Finally, the Republican Party in the state of Ohio is ready to do what it should have done months ago, at least four months ago. And that is hold a vote to censure, not censor, which is what Facebook is doing to Donald Trump, which is another story I'll get to, but to censure or publicly repudiate and condemn the decision and the actions of GOP House member uh, Anthony Gonzalez for his inexplicable vote without due process to impeach Donald Trump over the Capitol Hill riots of January 6th. Other states have already done this, and had done this, rather. Other state GOPs and other county GOPs have done this. But the ORP, under the leadership of then-President Jane Timken, did nothing other than actually support Anthony Gonzalez's vote by suggesting he had a rational reason for it. Not suggesting, saying so. Now that Jane Timken is out as ORP chair, and it's being run by Bob Paduchik, who I've had on this program many times, um... Whether this is just a show vote or an attempt to clean up some damage, I don't know. But now the ORP, 66-member state uh, or central committee, has scheduled a vote for Friday to censure Rocky River GOP Representative Anthony Gonzalez, as well as the other nine Republicans who joined the demon rats in uh, trying to impeach Donald Trump after he was already out of office. And that is exactly what should have been done a long time ago. 
Republican sources said a Central Committee member submitted the resolution to uh, to censure and uh, you know all ten of them uh, for their votes to support the unconstitutional, politically motivated impeachment pro- proceeding against President Donald J. Trump. All of that is true. It was politically motivated. It was unconstitutional. There was no due process given. Trump was never given an opportunity to present a defense uh, in the uh, House before they took the vote. They did not even have a committee hearing. Nancy Pelosi just skipped all of the requirements of an impeachment vote and said, let's just do it. And they had to do it so they could have this thing and have the declaration done before the inauguration of Joe Biden. Uh, they had to do this, otherwise it would not be possible to even get it out of the House to the Senate. So they had to rush it without due process, and Anthony Gonzalez said, the hell with due process, I'm in. And he voted to impeach Donald Trump. Now, now there is the uh, movement to censure him. So I want to do this quickly, if I may, just to remind you of why I was so upset. I mean, I have already, admittedly, not been a huge fan of Jane Timken, because Jane Timken quite simply, um, went along with Amy Acton in directing Mike DeWine to unconstitutionally lock down the state of Ohio. She did little to nothing to garner support among the massive majority GOP General Assembly to stop this. She sat idly by. She's a former Kasich donor, and she loved John Kasich and his brand of rhino republicanism. She's a a big Mike DeWine fan in his Rhino Republicanism. She would not do anything to try to get our rights back. That bothered me. But once she decided to resign as ORP chair and run for Senate, now it's off the charts. She not only did nothing to stop the unconstitutional lockdown of Ohio by her party's governor and General Assembly, she publicly praised Anthony Gonzalez as being a good congressman who had a rational reason to vote to impeach Donald Trump. When that happened, all bets were off, quite frankly. When that happened, all bets were off. So I wanted to go back to the interview that I did with her uh, about a month ago now, in which I asked Jane Timken why she did not direct a vote to censure Anthony Gonzalez the way so many other states did. And this is what she had to say. I disagreed with Anthony Gonzalez's vote. I made that very clear. I have always been a supporter of President Trump. I've spent the last four years traveling the state of Ohio, advancing his agenda, talking about the great things that President Trump achieved for our country, the promises made and promises kept. I have been his supporter. I've been his strongest supporter in the state of Ohio. That is very clear. The people of Ohio know that I've been out there talking about President Trump for over the last four years and been his supporter. So I want to make sure that your listeners and the voters of Ohio understand that. Well, look, I, I appreciate that. But like I said, there there is some inconsistency there. When you said that Anthony Gonzalez, two things, actually, if you could respond to both these. Uh, number The first one will be that, you know, the chairs of several other state GOPs of the 10 Republicans in the House who joined the all of the Democrats to vote to impeach the president without due process, they censured their Congress members who voted that way. Here in Ohio, even some county GOPs have done so, but the ORP that you chaired did not so number one why did you not hold a vote or issue a personal censorship of anthony gonzalez as uh, orp chair and then secondly you said that he had a rational reason for voting to impeach him what was that reason? i said he 
he had his reasons. I disagreed with his reasons. Don't put words in my mouth. And let me make it very clear. I stepped down as chair before we could have a meeting for censorship. It is my understanding that is on the agenda for the next Ohio Republican Party meeting under yeah. the leadership of yeah. yeah, she she lied uh, multiple times in that interview with me. She lied about never uh, donating to John Kasich's campaign. It's a matter of public rec- record. She maxed out her donation to John Kasich. She lied that she didn't have time to schedule a vote for censorship because, uh, before she resigned. She resigned only after uh, Rob Portman made his announcement that he wasn't going to run for re-election to the Senate. She had plenty of time in between those two times. And, and then she also lied about, don't put words in my mouth, uh, I, I said he had his reason. No, she didn't. She said he had a rational reason. She skipped over the word rational, tried to accuse me of putting words in her mouth that I did not. Jane Timken lied to me multiple times in that interview. And now that there's going to be a vote to censure Anthony Gonzalez, I wonder what she'll say. I wonder what she'll say when she actually was a cheerleader for Gonzalez's decision prior to deciding to run for uh, Rob Portman's Senate seat. It's a, it's an amazing about face, and amazing. I've always been Donald Trump's biggest supporter. You supported the man who voted to in your state to impeach him without due process, and now you're trying to pretend that never happened. I'm sorry, but I can think of about seven or eight different people that I would vote, seven or eight different Republicans that I would vote for to fill Rob Portman's seat in the United States Senate. Jane Timken's name is not on that list. We'll be right back. Okay, ten twenty-six now. I, I just, I just said it's long overdue. The Ohio GOP needed to do this a while back. They didn't do it under Jane Timken's leadership because Jane Timken did not uh, believe that a censure was warranted. She tried to say, well, there there wasn't time. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. There was time. You chose not to do it because you said he's a good congressman who had a rational reason for his vote to, to, um, to impeach. So you know what? Try as you might, you are going to have that Anthony Gonzalez vote albatross hanging around your neck for the entirety of this election. And I will tell you this, this campaign rather, I will tell you this to Bob Paduchik and anybody and everybody else associated with the ORP, if you try any shenanigans or any other ridiculous uh, political maneuvers to try to weasel uh, Jane Timken into that uh, uh, Senate uh, seat or into that primary victory to to run for the Senate against Tim Ryan or whomever it's going to be, um, I will do everything that I can to make sure you pay a price to. I don't mean that to sound like a threat. I'm not, I'm not in the, in the business of threatening. I'm just telling you right now. I and we were disgusted with what the Ohio Republican Party chair did after Anthony Gonzalez did what he did. And if the ORP is reflective of that type of leadership, then I'm going to join a lot of other people who say that I'm not Republican at all in this state. I'm conservative, but I'm not Republican. The Ohio Republican Party needs to change, and it needs to change big. One of the ways is, you know, Anthony Gonzalez said in his interview with me that he knows he made a lot of people mad with that, and he's going to try to move on and make them forget uh, by doing other positive things. They're never going to forget Anthony Gonzalez, not as long as I'm here. 
And I hope to be on these airways for another 20 years. But they're never going to forget. And I want to make sure Jane Timken knows they're never going to forget, and we're never going to forget her support for that as well. Ever. And if she ever ends up in the United States Senate, woe is us. Woe is us and shame on us. Shame on us if we send another rhino who might be more rhino than Portman himself if she gets to the United States Senate. Floyd in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Floyd, how are you, hey, sir? Hey, Bob, how you doing today? Good, brother. What's on your mind? Hey, where, where's all the uh, uh, lawsuits that like, Trump had to face? I mean, uh, I, I would hate to see if Joe Biden had his fastball where he got this country eating out his hands. Where are all the Republicans that far as fighting back and, uh, I don't know, just like a lost cause? And having us having the majority in the Supreme Court like it's useless. What's wrong with those people? Well, that's a good question too. I mean, you know, I, I, to me the to me the biggest um, disappointment in the Supreme Court was was John Roberts. I, I really liked George W. Bush's appointment of John Roberts as Chief Justice, uh, and he has been just a huge disappointment. There's a conservative majority there, but not as much of a conservative majority as there should be because of him. Right? You can't tell because of him when he's just as likely to side with the uh, with the uh, activists as he is with the uh, with the originalists. Yeah. Hey, that's all I have for the day, Bob. Talk to you later. Thank you, Floyd. God bless. I appreciate it. So there's Floyd's answer, whether he was intending to give it or not. Floyd's answer as far as which of the issues that I started the show with is the most urgent or the biggest threat, the most grave threat to this republic going forward, you you just heard it. It's the Supreme Court. It is the Supreme Court, and I will tie that as I did in the, to an earlier caller to H.R. 1, the federal takeover of the electoral process. If Democrats win elections in perpetuity by codifying cheating and codifying fraud, which is what they will do if the feds take the power away from the states to run their own elections, they will indeed pack that court. And it will never, ever be the same in this country again. All right, do you want to respond to that? We'll take your calls at 216-901-0945 or 888 But coming up after the bottom of the hour news, former Congressman Jim Renacci, the, the um, uh, man who preceded Anthony Gonzalez in that Ohio 16 seat, will join us in 1420 The Answer. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. 1036 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Started talking a little bit about Ohio politics last segment. Might as well continue with it right now, though it's a little different. Uh, The potential censuring this Friday by vote of the State Central Committee of Anthony Gonzalez, now that Jane Timken is not part of that equation, want to uh, welcome to the program now a man who has been involved in Ohio politics, even though he left office uh, three years ago. He is Jim Renacci, and he is considering a run for the Ohio gubernatorial race, or in that race. Uh, joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Doing great. How are you today? I'm great. Still not official, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't miss it, did I? No, it's still not official. But we're look, we're doing a lot of things. We're traveling the state. We're talking to people. Um, there is a big difference when you flip a switch to official with reporting and a bunch of other things. So we're going to continue to follow through. I've been working with many of the uh, Trump team uh, people to uh, make sure that what we do is correct. And, and uh, look, we're looking at everything 
um, including what's really thrown an interesting twist in all this is the Senate race. I know you were talking about it earlier yeah. because it does change the perspective and it, it threw us off a little bit because, you know, where it would have just been maybe one primary um, or two in the Gonzalez race, uh, now it appears to be multiple primaries across the state, which I actually think is good. I think it's good that Republicans are willing to step up and uh, primary people. That's what makes the system best. And if you're an elected official, you need to be able to defend your position. And uh, uh, so primaries are not a bad thing, although most people in the establishment would tell you they are. Yeah, I don't think they're a bad thing either, um, you know, especially in this particular Senate race. Um, be- before we get, I, w- I want to ask you one more question about that, but before I do, I, I was just mentioning what's going to happen on Friday. Um, you know, your successor in that seat in Ohio 16, Anthony Gonzalez, we've talked about it. Uh, you've had comments on it. Obviously, Jane Timken had comments on it. She tried to walk those back and change her comments on it. She didn't move to censure him the way many other states did, the 10 Republicans who uh, joined the Democrats to impeach without due process. What's your opinion on holding that vote now on Thursday, and do you think he should be censured? Well, I think that what's going on there is uh, Bob Paducek, the new chairman, is also uh, uh, has also been a staunch ally of President Trump. Probably, uh, I did hear your your story or your or your repeated Jane saying she's the most. She was the most. That's not true. I mean, I believe I was the most. I stuck my neck out um, in support of Donald Trump in 2016 while she was still supporting John Kasich. But I think what we have now is we have a chairperson in Bob Paducek, who's even more stauncher than uh, uh, Jane Timken, and because of that and because of his relationship with the president, is going to push through a censor that probably should have been done a long time ago. So I think that's what's really going on. It's probably, I, I guess you could say it's never too late, but the timing is uh, really basically because there's a new chairperson, and this new chairperson believes it's more of a necessity than the previous chairperson. Then I appreciate that response. So then the last question before we get into the Ohio stuff and the governor, uh, the current governor, is on that Senate race. I agree with you about the primaries. I do think they are a good thing. I also think in this particular one, because there are so many people in this now, uh, in this uh, Senate race, uh, with very different positions on the ideological spectrum, some of them closer to the center, some of them further to the right, some of them you can't really tell yet because they're just not saying a lot, some of the newbies to the race. But when you think of names like Gibbons, who, of course, was in the primary against you, <clears throat> Back in uh, uh, in uh, 2020, when you th- or 2018 rather, when you think about uh, Josh Mandel, who has been a treasurer, so he's a proven vote getter. When you think about JD Vance, who's a newbie, Jane Timken, of course, is new and actually running instead of actually running the party. Um, you know, Bernie Moreno is another one. There's there's a whole lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds there. How do you, how do Ohioans make the right choice there? Well, it's a great question, and I think what we need is we need disruptors. I use that uh, time and time again. President Trump was a disruptor. you got to look at the individuals that are running and who are the true disruptors, who are somebody who can come in that, that doesn't have the background of a career politician, that has the background of, of being in business or being on the outside, getting things accomplished, willing to take on things, willing to take risks. Uh, that's what you really need. I mean, I, I look at my eight years in Congress. I mean, I was never really liked by the establishment because I would not always vote with the establishment. And that's the reason I got redistricted out of a 
seat that I want after two years into another seat. These are the things I think that are important. So as you look at all those candidates, and I just try and lay them out because I get asked this question all the time. Who is a disruptor, number one? Who is somebody who's not a career politician, number two? And then who really uh, has the and, – and this is a tough question, Bob, because the truth about Republicans, I heard what you said earlier. You know, there were times where I said – I'm. I'm not sure if I'm an Ohio Republican or not either, because what does what do Republicans stand for? And I was in an event the other day where Trey Gowdy said we are lost as Republicans because we don't know what we stand for and we don't know why we stand for what we do. And that's so true because it's basic. Less government, less taxes, less spending. Those are your things that Republicans should stand for. And I think when people are analyzing the candidates, they got to say, who is going to stand for those things because those are true Republicans? And then who's a fighter, who's a disruptor, and who's willing to take on the establishment? Um, it gets to be tough, but you can start to narrow that field down once you start asking those questions. We are talking with former uh, Congressman Jim Renacci from Ohio 16. He is now the uh, founder and the leader of the Ohio's Future Foundation, and he's been working very hard at getting out a very different message than the one uh, uh, put forth by Governor Mike DeWine, all as part of uh, what is going to eventually be an official Ohio campaign for governor. I want to read uh, a post of yours on Facebook from April 23rd, so not too terribly long ago. I think Governor DeWine is a nice guy, but I do agree his spending policies, tax policies, gun policies, immigration policies, refugee policies are consistent and lean center-left. And that consistency in policy is why he would be considered a rhino. When people use the word rhino, it should define consistency across a spectrum of, a spectrum of issues, not just because you choose to wear a mask or get a vaccine. That's choice. So a lot of a lot of criticism there of his policies, and I agree with you, they are left. I, I think they may be further left than center when you say center left. Um, did you put that up there to specifically separate yourself from him on each of those issues? Well, it's interesting. I put that up there because people throw the word rhino around too often. I mean, they see me with wearing a mask with my grandson, my eight-month-old grandson, and they call me a rhino, and I've talk to some of those people. And I said, first off, my grandson wants me to wear a mask, but that's my choice. And it's my choice. And, and that's what's positive about it. It's not the governor's choice or the government's choice. Vaccinations are the same thing. So, you know, when you call somebody a rhino, you've got to look at the specifics. Now, what I was trying to say in that post is Governor Dwine is, in general, over 80% of his policies are left center. I mean, it's not just because he's wearing a mask, because if he was wearing a mask, but all his policies were smaller government, less taxes, all those things. I'm not sure he's a rhino then. I'm just sure he's, his choice is to wear a mask. That's what I was trying to get at. But it's so easy when you really take a look. You know, it's the other thing that Trey Gowdy said. We call people names um, because we think that's a power move. But the truth of it is that's not. We should not be calling them names. We should be looking at their policies, their principles, and making decisions about them based on that, not about where, whether they're wearing a mask or whether they got a vaccine. Um, so that's what I was trying to present there. I do believe that the governor, if you take his history of over 40 years, he has a consistent policy. He was, was F-rated by the NRA on guns when he was in the Senate. He was definitely a, a left-center um, Republican in the Senate. He, his positions have always been there, so he hasn't changed. The problem is we voted for him 
because he had an R after his name, or people voted for him, not everyone voted for him, because he had an R after his name. And sometimes what I've been trying to tell people in my speeches is just because you have an R after your name does not mean you're a Republican. Agreed. And I'm guilty, by the way. I voted for him because he was the R and Cordray was the D. And uh, quite frankly, I'd, I don't think we'd be in any better shape with a Richard Cordray in charge of this government. But I can't imagine it being a whole heck of a lot worse. You know, we are one of the worst performing states in terms of job growth. Uh, I don't know that anything a Democrat could have recommended in terms of policy to respond to the pandemic would be different than what Mike DeWine did. In fact, Mike DeWine's is more Democrat than some Democrat governors in other states in terms of, you know, the lockdown policies and the refusal to let the new science dictate lifting of these these bans and these lockdown policies. You know, as we have seen in Florida and in Texas and other places where they have fully reopened and their 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 infection rates are among the lowest in the country. So, you know, rather than looking at the science here and saying this isn't changing anything, free Ohio now, Mike DeWine continues along that path. That's what's frustrating for for many of us. He, he he's he's ignoring the, the the science that he once proclaimed to to be following. Well, but it's even worse. He's ignoring the people. And I think that's the real key. He's ignoring the legislatures. If you talk to legislators, they're saying that Mike DeWine doesn't even listen to them. You know, I'm not sure who he's listening to. But the one thing when you're an elected official, especially in a position like that, you should be listening to the legislature. Doesn't mean you always have to agree with them. You should be listening to the people. Doesn't always have to mean you have to agree with them. But you should be listening more than you're talking. And too often, he's, you know, he's gotten into these conferences and these TVs once a week or twice a week early on. And I mean, this is a kind of, he was talking right through us, not listening to us, which is a whole different way of governing. And, uh, and I do believe that that's probably the biggest issue that the state has. And let's face it, we're losing another congressional seat. Take a look at all the states that are losing congressional seats. That should be your best report card for where we're at. I don't care that Ohio is a Republican state. We're one of seven states that's losing a member of Congress, and out of those seven, all of them are Democrat states except for Ohio and um, <laughs> West Virginia. But West Virginia was always a Democrat state, too. So uh, here we got a Republican state standing alone, still mandating things that some um, Republican states have already released 100% when it comes to mask and mandates. We're losing a congressional seat. How much more does it take to let people realize we are running like a blue state, but we're calling ourselves a red state. And it's one of the reasons why Trump, President Trump got so many votes in Ohio, because people were tired of it. Uh, and we've got to continue to realize that people want to be able to live their life here in Ohio freely, without government intervention. We want less taxes, less spending, all those things that we seem to have forgotten. But Ohio, just look at all the statistics, statistically we always fit in with the New Yorks, the Californias, all of the blue states, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and yet nobody, we think we're, we're a Republican state. We're really not a Republican state. No, we're not. Uh, I mean, we are in terms of our population, but not the way it's being run. I, I would agree with that. Congressman, you've been um, also criticizing Governor DeWine on a couple of other issues I wanted to ask you before you go. One is on the Second Amendment. He is calling for further gun control laws. You want to make Ohio 
a sanctuary state, which is interesting in the language because when most of us think of sanctuary states, we think of governors who have made their states sanctuaries from uh, ICE and uh, other federal authorities from deporting and and uh, detaining and, and, and capturing illegal aliens who are committing crimes. But you want it to be a Second Amendment sanctuary state. In other words, a state where the federal gun control laws do not apply. Can you tell me more about that? Well, Bob, one of the things I want to do, and I truly believe, Ohio has to say no more, just like other states are saying, no more to the federal government. So when I say sanctuary states, people say, oh, you know, Renee, see, that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. Well, here's what I'm saying is constitutional. At some point in time, Ohio has to say enough is enough. We don't want the federal government telling us what our, you know, the way we need to, you know, handguns or anything with guns we don't want the federal government telling us our education system we don't want the federal government telling us how we have to spend our money and the only way you stop that is to quit taking federal money now people of course if you're a politician in in ohio today you're going to say well over and we take 23 percent of our budget as federal money you can't cut 23 percent i agree you can't cut it today but over time you can and the more we free ourselves from the reach of the federal government with their funding, the more we can say no more to the federal government. So in the end, I want to be able to say, let's get a, let's go back to the original principles. We gave our federal government limited, limited power. Now they're taking absolute power over us. Let's roll it back. And at some point in time, let's say that, that we stand, we stand. To, to, if governors can do that all the time. You see governors doing it now. We are not going to follow through with the education rules that you're pushing down on us. We're not going to follow through. We should be able to stand up and say that. And that's what that post is all about. It's about saying to the federal government, no more when it comes to guns, no more when it comes to education policy, no more. But to do that, we've got to roll back this money that we're getting from them, which is almost one out of every four dollars. Last thing, Congressman, I've got to keep this one to a minute, if you would, please. Uh, Governor DeWine has exhibited uh, uh, support for for police reform. In the wake of the George Floyd case and the verdict and everything else, uh, police reform, which to me says that policing is inherently dangerous in, what it, you know, in, in, in terms of what it is right now, that it may be racist or it may be somehow uh, in need of, of, of fixing. Uh, do you agree with that? Do we need police reform in the state of Ohio? Look, th- there are so many good police officers and so many good f- first responders. What we should be doing is is praising those that get up every day and will leave the house, not knowing whether they're ever coming back to try and protect us. And in the end, yes, there are some bad police officers. Yes, there are some bad attorneys. Yes, there are some bad politicians. Mm-hmm. If you're going to talk about police reform, talk about political form talk about other bad doctors there's bad people in every walk of life but you don't have to reform the systems just because of a few bad people do we need to look at everything and make sure that we're up to date with standards and use the body camera sure we do we should be doing all that maybe a little better training but i'm going to tell you if we continue to go down this path going after police officers we're not going to have any police officers because they don't, I was with a police officer last night who said to me, we can't even fill our department anymore because people just don't want the jobs anymore. That's yeah. a New- real bad 
state of affairs. New police academy classes are at all-time lows, and retirements and people taking early buyouts are at all-time highs in some of the biggest police departments in America because it's, it's just not worth it to them to put their lives and their families in jeopardy in such ways when they do not have the support of the public, the politicians, their own departments, uh, their own city councils. And that's, uh, that's a tragedy. Congressman Renacy, uh, it's good to talk to you as always. I know you got a big event coming up on Saturday. Uh, uh, Dennis Prager is going to be in town with you at the uh, Lincoln Day dinner uh, on Saturday. So I know that's already sold out. You don't have to sell any more tickets. So have a great event. Uh, and thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. You got it. That's uh, Jim Renacy on AM 1420. The answer will be back. All right, 1056. Time for a couple more before the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us. Let's uh, go to TJ in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, at the beginning of the show, I agreed with all the things we should be concerned about. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that really concerns me is this dual standards in uh, the law. You know, if you're a Clinton, a Biden, uh, a Comey, or an Al Sharpton, you can flaunt the law anytime you want, it seems like, and you got a free pass. You get away with it. If you're a Republican, well, guess what? You can expect a raid in the middle of the night. And it's not just at the top, Bob. It's on our level. If you're a violent protester, you're getting a free pass. If you're a... Uh, peaceful protesters say like in washington the full weight of the law is coming down on you that's true and one other thing i'd like to bring up every time i drive by that free stamp you know thing at boinovich park i think of our senator sherrod brown you know when people talk call your senator don't bother calling this guy he's nothing but a free stamp for his party they should change the name of that park to Sherrod Brown Park with that big fat free stamp right in the middle of it because that's all the man is he's not an esteemed senator well, I'm not a big thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call. I'm not a big fan of uh, Senator Sherrod Brown either. I uh, appreciate the thoughts. Let's go to Bill in Garfield Heights. Hey, Bill, go ahead. Hi there. Hi there. Hello. Uh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling just to say, first of all, you know, I, I, I respect and, and like Mr. Renacy, and I love you. Um, <clears throat> but he said something which bothered me. I can't remember where I heard it. I probably heard it maybe on your show. But how do we, how do Republicans uh, tell other people what we stand for, what we believe in? And he said, less government, uh, smaller taxes, lower taxes, and less spending. And that's true. But that's that's not what the real story is. We need we need a rebranding. And and what we stand for is freedom, equal opportunity, justice, and security. That's how. That's how the party should be selling, uh, you know, our message to people. Well, I don't disagree, and I think they, and thank you for the call. I think they do stand for all of those things. The question is, though, how do we personalize each of them? What is freedom? What is equal opportunity? And we have to narrow those things down by way of policy and of specifics. And so I think you're generally correct, but, uh, but I do think they need to make it more narrow-focused in terms of policy. Uh, that's it. That's all the time that I've got. Great conversation with a lot of great people today. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it again. Stay here for Mike Gallagher. Bye-bye.